Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Holler! Uh, you know, we used to talk about movies that were playing in theaters on this show, but there's really not a whole lot out there right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, we could go check out The War with Grandpa, starring Robert De Niro. Hey, I heard it's doing great in theaters. I mean, by great, you mean like three and a half million? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's good in COVID times. Good enough for number one. Yeah. There you go. Hey. So, yeah, I mean, we're not we're not checking out that. We're kind of just, you know, staying home and, you know, streaming here at the house. Well, uh, we're picking and choosing which movies that we want to go risk our lives for in the movie theaters. We've been to the theater a couple times. You know, a lot of people clearly are wary of it. You know, I mean, here in the States, we have the worst numbers anywhere in the world. So I get that. But, um, I mean, as of this recording, there haven't been any outbreaks or like any like contact tracing linked back to theater screenings. That's true. So, and I mean, every time that we went to the theater, there was only like they're mostly and dead like empty. One other person. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty dead empty right now. I mean, you can tell that just by looking at the box office. And it's kind of awesome. We went to go see a, a movie what that was uh, seven bucks each, or it was two, like two dollars, two dollars each. Woo! They're, yeah, they're they're selling di- uh, tickets cheap. I mean, oh, what was it? Friday or Saturday? It was Saturday night. It was a Saturday. Yeah, tickets for two dollars. Saturday <laughs> night prime, like eight o'clock spot. And nine theater o'clock was spot. theater was pretty empty. Yeah. Each time we go, it's pretty empty. You know, at this point, we don't even know how much longer theaters are going to be around. You know, Regal Cinemas, which is the second largest theater chain here in the U.S., uh, they've they've shut back down due to lack of product. Yeah. So, you know, they had opened up, you know, in August, and after the studios just kind of pulled everything, Regal, they're like, we can't do this. We're going to shut down until th- there's like a firm schedule. So that leaves kind of like AMC and Cinemark, and they're still open. Yeah. And but who the hell knows how long? Because, yeah, as we talked about, like, on the last episode, studios have kind of cleared off the calendar of all the major films. And the reason for that is twofold. One is that theaters in New York and L.A. remain closed. Yep. And those are, I mean, two of the biggest markets. So that's a big dent in box office. And studios, they look at the market conditions. It's clearly a depressed market. And they're all gun shy. Well, you've got a couple of things going against theaters, right? I mean, you obviously you've got the most important thing where you've got studios halting their their movies and pushing back their opening dates. But you got people, you know, COVID is a second. But then you also have people that are financially strained during this time that maybe lost their jobs and and you know can't afford to go have, and yeah. and to go to the theater. And have funds for a movie. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're hitting a trifecta. They're not going to waste money on the war with Grandpa. No. <laughs> Money's tight. <laughs> and there's a health risk, sure. But yeah, it's um, the- if theaters were packed, that would be a problem. And I-, I think that would present some kind of risk, some kind of high risk. But that that isn't the case. Theaters are pretty empty, and they're adhering strictly to safety guidelines so, yeah, it's a bad, very uncertain time for theaters. I mean, it's a very resilient business, and we've talked about this. I think they'll find some kind of way through this, but it's really, like, studios have to set a release date, 
stick to it you know <laughs> and get their movie out there and take the hit if that's what happens it's probably smart on the movie studios to pull back their movies because now at the election year you're gonna have all these actors and actresses saying their two cents on what's going on in the u.s and you're gonna alienate 50 percent of your viewing audience 50 percent i don't think that's uh, that's a problem i i mean you you bring up politics and I think that's one kind of issue. It's hard to get people's attention right now. I know. Yeah. Because everybody, yeah. Because the most riveting drama is happening in the news. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. So it's, I think like, you know, fictional entertainment right now in terms of like people's attention, it just, it can't really compete with yeah. just the, the front headlines, just dated, like the day-to-day headlines. <laughs> So that's, yeah, I mean, that uh, that's another thing that studios are up against. So, that there, yeah, there's, every big movie is delayed. And, uh, I mean, there's really nothing until, like, Wonder Woman now, until Christmas. And we'll see if that holds. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I they'll don't, probably stream it, Wonder Woman. And they'll probably stream it. Haven't they it. said multiple times we're not doing that? We y- believe in theaters? Y- yeah, Here's, but I, I think they will. And I think they'll charge, like, 60, 70 bucks. Oh, that's bananas. $70 to watch Wonder Woman? I mean, okay, yeah, forty bucks. That, that's not going to happen. No, they they did for thirty. Tickets. I think they're going to stick Wonder Woman in theaters. They're just trying to wait for like the best time. And here's, I mean, here's my thing. And I'll I'll ask this to you. Maybe you understand this. I understand a studio not putting a movie in theaters. I understand them delaying it and going to streaming. Them deciding like they can make more money uh, going like you know premium video on demand rather than push it out in theaters in a pandemic. I understand that, but I don't understand studios saying we don't want to put it out now because the numbers aren't great. We're just going to keep like punting it down the line yeah. a couple months and hope things get better. Like I don't understand that. Are, are studios just waiting for like a vaccine? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what their their thought process is with that. I mean, I think releasing it in theaters and then like theaters need two the product weeks, right now, and then two weeks later go streaming. I mean that. I well, think that's, that's what Universal's doing. Yeah. They work something out with that. I think it's maybe three weeks. Yeah, and then yeah, and uh, I mean that's that's at least something that they're giving theaters. Yeah, and that that's what the theaters just need stuff. But um, so yeah, I mean that's that's the theatrical landscape. It's not a good one. But on this episode, we're going to talk about two films that are available for streaming. The first is Ava, directed by Tay Taylor and starring Jessica Chastain. And the second is The Trial of the Chicago 7, directed by Aaron Sorkin. And so we'll get into Ava first. Uh, you know, this movie has a, a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch. <laughs> it's not, not good. And uh, yeah, in this movie, Jessica Chastain, she plays a government assassin. Actually, she plays like a recovering alcoholic turned government assassin working for John Malkovich. And she ends up getting double-crossed after a, after a job goes bad in Saudi Arabia. And there's a love triangle of sorts between her, her sister, and Common. Yep. That that that's a thing. That that's a major well, part. That's a so Common used to be her boyfriend. You know, before she ended up disappearing and going to be an assassin, black ops. Was she with him when she was like an alcoholic? Did he yeah. know her like in her bad days? Yeah, I think he was a little bad too because he has a gambling problem. Why did they break up? Just she be- she disappeared. She left. And, without saying anything, without... And she goes clean um, after joining the government? Yeah, so she joins the army. It's a real, like, rhythm section scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's 
very the, improbable. The material is so like you know we've we've seen it before. Yeah, plot wise, this is a pretty standard spy espionage revenge tale. Like none of the major twists, and you know, I mean, we'll do some mild spoilers here. You're not going to be real surprised by what happens, like no. twist wise. Like no. it's it's pretty telegraphed. It's pretty obvious. What you go for in a movie like this is for the style. You want to see some cinematic style, and you want to see some good action, some good fight choreography. You know, it's what makes uh, you know the John Wick movies really stand out, or something like Atomic Blonde. Yeah, man, big, we big love style. <laughs> well, that movie just has a lot of style yeah. and just some great action. Overall, what what did you think of this film? Eh. <laughs> I think I, I said to you at the very end, like, oh, my God, that was an hour and it was only 90 minutes. Yeah, it's pretty it short. felt Feels like four forever. hours. <laughs> it's not very well paced. And, yeah, the action is not is not great. Unfortunately, that that's that's where it really lets you down. And Jessica Chastain, I don't know how how great she is uh, as far in like the physical combat. Scenes. Yeah, because there's a scene where she's taking on a like a, a room full of guys with like AK 47s. Yeah, and she's like karate chopping and flipping and you know doing this and that and bebopping and scatting and it just it, it's not fully convincing. I without I wasn't any, fully with, convinced without even like huffing and puffing. It's yeah, she's not. I mean, like yeah, it, it's like you said. It feels her moves feel a little rehearsed, yeah, and a little telegraphed. And it's just it, the yeah, the combat and the fight choreography. It's not as fluid as it was in Atomic Blonde. You know, Atomic Blonde, you had that uh, like really long extended take, like where she's fighting like in a stairwell, yeah, right, and just like beating the hell out of guys. And that's like, I mean, no cuts. Uh, just very fluid action and choreography. And she's selling it all the way through. No I, cuts. I think the only time that I get, like, that that I got into the fighting was in the hotel room at the end where she's fighting, um, what's his face? Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. The the bad guy ultimately is Colin Farrell. And that's not, like, a big reveal. I mean, it's we get, not, that, we get I mean, that pretty early on. He, kind of, he sets her up, I guess, yeah. in Saudi Arabia. I don't know what the hell his motivation is. No idea. They didn't go into it because <laughs> she's, she was talking to people. She was talking to her kills, asking, like, you know, what they did wrong. Yeah. And why the U.S. wanted to, to assassinate these folks. Yeah. But, like, outside of that, like, I have no idea why that would be a there must be something assassination i mean there, there must be cause. some motivation some, some line in there that maybe what we missed but yeah my, it's not it's my, not really clear yeah my hunch is that she's really good at what she does and she was like 41 kills i think that's what it was <laughs> and like colin farrell was getting a little jealous because colin and ava were john malkovich's protégés so John Malkovich trained both of them. And he's like, I guess, heading this government assassin group or whatever. He's like, he trains them. John Malkovich is the trainer. But I think Colin Farrell was promoted before him. And Colin is now reporting into the government on, you know, on behalf. So I think Colin Farrell is the head guy. Is he like d- trying to double cross John Malkovich? Yeah. They have a fight at they one do. point. I mean, I want to say it's great, but it's... No, I mean... It's not. <laughs> I, I I really... You know, John Malkovich, man. I mean, He's I, a fun actor. He's a fun actor. Yeah. Um, Being John Malkovich. I mean, Red is one of my favorites. And you, I know you hate it. But, like, 
I love. Like, I don't go back to those movies, I but I mean they're they're okay. The I guess that I love his character and and Red. Sure, yeah, Just, he can do comedy, he can do drama. Yeah. He's great, great actor. I mean, but like in Red, I bring that up because it's an action film. Yeah, they used his comedy, but they also use seriousness. Like they. Yeah, this is a l- drawing on that a little bit, I guess. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not <laughs> like they're not using John's like comedic. No, it, everything here is very serious. Yeah. Yeah, there's no drama. They could have used a little comedy. Yeah. I mean, especially in like in this whole love triangle subplot, which really kind of drags the movie down. I feel like it's this subplot that makes the movie feel like it's five hours long. I'll tell you what, though. The best thing about this movie was Gina Davis. I loved her character. She's in this. She was fun. Yeah. She's the she's she's not in this a lot, but she's the mom and you know, her and Ava don't get along. It's good to see Gina Davis. I, I mean, know. she's starred in her own kick ass films in her day. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's always great to see her. I thought the movie started off pretty well. Uh, you know, in the opening scene with her uh, her first target, uh, who she's uh, driving uh, after picking up from the airport. Yeah. And I thought that whole opening scene, I mean, it wasn't like mind blowing, but it was engaging enough. It was stylish enough. And then really from there, it's just kind of all downhill. I feel. <laughs> uh, well, but I mean, I, the score was okay. I mean, for the first couple minutes, this movie, it got my hopes up. And I guess, yeah, Ava and Common, they don't end up together, do they? No. Okay. He, he sticks with the sister? Yep. Okay, so it's just like, uh, you know, a, there's still a something, bittersweet yeah, love. Yeah, there's still something there. I think it's the closure. There's no closure because she just up and left. Sure. And so I think there's a lot of uh, feelings between the two of them. But, you know, obviously Commons moved on and Jessica Chastain. To her sister. Ava didn't. <laughs> moved on to her sister. I mean, he didn't move on far. I know. I couldn't imagine being the sister and, and like having that like, you know. Yeah, how you don't want to go there. You know how my sister did it. <laughs> you don't want to go there. <laughs> you don't want to go there. So... <laughs> It climaxes with like a, a, a hotel brawl between this, her yeah, and Colin this Farrell. This is the only one. I think she's she's getting ready. She gets it's a pretty depressed. brutal fight. Yeah, she's. I think she's wanting to kill herself. She started drinking again, and then Colin Farrell comes into the hotel room, and they get at it. it just yeah, like knockdown brawl. I, I mean, I guess this is the highlight. Yeah. Question and mark then, and then the somebody film? because of their like gunfire and stuff, somebody called the cops or pulled the fire alarm or something, and there was a big alarm in the hotel, and that's why Colin left. And then Ava got her passports, got her money from behind the safe. She ends up killing him, right? Well, yeah, she follows him. Okay, he's hobbling. She follows him, and she just shoots him. Yeah, in the face. In the forehead. I mean, forgettable death. I don't, I don't even remember it. And uh, um, By the gravel underneath the overhang or the overpass. Do you not remember that? Mm, it's been a few days. Wow. And then she this goes. This is a forgettable and, and then Ava knows that be, because she killed Colin, they're going to be coming after her and her family. So that's why she told, she gave her family, I think, $40,000 and told them to get out of the country as soon as possible. And that's how it ends. Mm-hmm. So kind of like open for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Which they're not going to get at what fourteen nineteen percent Rotten Tomatoes. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I don't. I don't know what 
went wrong with this movie. It just it needed. I don't mind a generic plot for like a action espionage movie. Just no, you know be, me and plots. I love plots. And we this just would... we, well, you know me. Deliver the action. If you deliver the action, I mean, it's you've redeemed the movie, even if it's you know generic in other places. But yeah, you know, I've said this before. Like I don't know what the point is of doing a movie like this if you're not going to at least deliver on the action. Yeah, like at least deliver on the action. That's the whole point. And yeah, the action is terrible. I mean, it's all like handheld, uh, just garbage. I mean, it's from the director of The Help. So, I don't... How did the, how did the I don't, director I don't of The Help I don't know what he's doing and, with this genre. I mean, The Help was great. It was one of my favorite movies, but... Uh, well, that's... Uh, I mean, the, the Help is The Help, but it's a completely different type of film, type of genre. Yeah. And yeah, I would say, yeah, he doesn't really... Um, uh, you know, acquit himself <laughs> well, naturally, to this more physical type genre. Oh, Jessica Chastain owns a company, and the comp- uh, her production it. company is a... Uh... Jessica Chastain, yeah, she's a producer on those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, clearly Jessica Chastain, she wants to get into more, like, physical action yeah. stuff. She has a movie coming out, like an ensemble action film. 366, 355? The three, three, four, four. three six five. I think it's the three five five, <laughs> <laughs> where she's with like Diane Kruger and Penelope Cruz, and uh, yeah, that's another action. That's a good cast. Sure. Yeah. I mean, sign me up. I mean, I, I I want anything to be good. Like I'm always rooting for something to be good. But um, yeah, I wasn't blown away by her physical chops in this film. Definitely not the way I was uh, by Charlize Theron. Yeah. When 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 Charlize Theron is ready to kick some ass, I mean, stand back. I mean, she's gonna she's gonna do it. And Jessica Chastain, um, yeah, it just it looks like I'm watching like training videos. <laughs> like she's halfway there. So yeah, what grade would you give this? Oh goodness, um, a D. Oh wow, I guess I'll give this like a C minus. I would go like straight D. I mean, it's ninety minutes. I mean, oh, you that got, is true. Okay. It has Jessica Chastain. Okay. I mean, there's I'll, some. I mean, a I'll good cast. It, I'll give it a C minus. Okay, I'll give it a C minus. <laughs> I don't want to twist your arm. <laughs> it was 90 minutes. I mean, I didn't waste a lot of my time. If it was any longer, yeah, it would be a D yeah. for sure. But it, yeah, it, it gets off the screen uh, relatively quick. And uh, is this a good date movie? I don't think so. No. Yeah. It needed good action. Yeah. If it had good action, sure. Uh, just kind of a waste, a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll talk about the trial of the Chicago 7. All right, we're back, and now we're going to get into Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is available on Netflix starting October 16th. It has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, and you and I, we actually went out to uh, the theater and saw this. I mean, mainly because there's just not much else playing. I mean, I feel like it's politically relevant to what's going on today. There's some parallels. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this movie, it takes place in 1968. And it's based on the true story of seven men who were indicted on federal charges after a riot broke out at the Democratic National Convention. And um, yeah, this movie, it primarily deals with the court hearings, which lasted six months. And uh, we got a pretty solid cast here. We got Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Barrett Cohen, Mark Rylance, Frank Langella, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So yeah, good cast. And this is, yeah, this is basically a courtroom drama. Yes. Written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. I mean, Aaron Sorkin... Academy Award winning screenwriter. He wrote The Social Network. He created The West Wing. I mean, very uh, accomplished writer. So I guess my my whole thing with this mo- with this movie was like, why were 
progressives and the liberals and, you know, um, the students, why were they going to their own, you know, their Democrats? I guess they didn't like the person that the Democrats were electing. They wanted somebody more conservative. I mean, or you're saying like, like why were there demonstrations? Yeah, but it was anti-war demonstrations. It, it was yeah, like a, a anti-war protest okay. that they were but why coordinating. They, but why would they do it at their own convention? Yeah, the, it was um, an arranged uh, protest against Lyndon Johnson's policies. Yeah, at the time for Vietnam, and so yeah, you had I guess seven characters. Kind of from different, they're from different states outside of Illinois. Yeah, they're from different states and they're from different little factions of, We get little snippets, just very briefly introducing each character. Like Eddie Redmayne is, he's from a college, you know, he's, you know, very buttoned up. Is he a professor? He's not a professor, he's a student. Oh. He's like a student. How, How old is Eddie Redmayne? Right now? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's in like 30s or 40s, right? I don't know. He's, he plays a student in this? He plays a college student in this? I think so. Am I wrong? I mean, that's bananas. Because he, he's in charge <laughs> of the student union. He's a 30-year-old union. man. He's in charge of, like, the Democratic Student Union, and you can only be a student... I remember there's a scene with him walking on a campus. I don't remember... Yeah, he's a student. He's, like, a senior, probably. Okay. Oh, okay. In college. 40-year-old, the 40-year-old senior? In college. <laughs> and then, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen, and he's got, who? who is his, his partner? Jeremy Strong. Yeah, Jeremy Strong. He, he plays Jerry Rubin. And Sasha Baron Cohen, he plays Abby Hoffman. They are a part of, like, this hippie, the hipster group, I guess you could say. And then there's an older character who's a dad. I believe that's John Carroll Lynch. Yeah, and plays- he's... David Dellinger. Yeah, he's the one that is like, he's, you know, the Boy Scout troop leader. He's the one who wants to make sure things are kept in line, like they're not there to incite violence. We know that just right up front with his like opening dialogue. But at the end, he changes. He gets fired up, doesn't he? He he changes his tune, yeah. I mean, I love John Carroll Lynch. Yeah, he's he's a great actor. So like different factions. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and they're all very quickly established and just oh. kind of this very fast montage. And then, you know, they, they looped in the Black Panther leader. Well, yeah, it was originally it. like eight were yeah. on trial, right? And yeah, the eighth was Bobby Seale. Yep. Um, yeah, at one point during the trial, he was handcuffed and gagged. Gagged, hogtied, like... And why did they do that? Because he was talking out of turn and he was <laughs> in contempt of court. So they hog tie him and gag him because he wouldn't stop talking and wouldn't stop saying i don't have representation my lawyer's not here and he's eventually dismissed yeah because after they hog tied him and gagged him and paraded <laughs> him around in front of the court and the jury the judge created a sympathetic jury so if bobby seal was looped in with the other people the jury would have found everybody not guilty and so what they did was they let Bobby Seale go. I mean, is that a normal thing for courts to do? No. Oh. This this judge was very corrupt, and this judge was bought by Nixon. This judge is played by uh, Frank Langella. Yeah. Great actor. And, and Good cast. Keep in mind, this was based on a true story. So this is what yeah. happened. And I believe that judge was disbarred. And so, yeah, like after we establish all these characters, you know, really the bulk of this film, and this is, you know, like a solid like 130 minutes is a long movie. Bulk of this film really is in the court. Yep. And 
this is a case that went on for six months from like September to February. And I mean, just a whole lot of shenanigans and drama. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a courtroom drama and that's, that's the bulk of the film. It kind of made, you know, me, I mean, we, we get a flashback like, to I'm the upset. to the riot. Yeah. At one point, we do get a flashback, but mainly we're we're really in the courtroom. So overall, what uh, what did you think of this film? I like this film a lot. I thought the attorney on the Chicago Seven side was good because I like Mark him. Rylance. Yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. He was in one of my favorite movies, Ready Player One. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I, the weakest probably was Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. From an actor perspective, because I expect so much from him. But really? I, 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 <laughs> from Eddie Redmayne? I do. I expect... Jupiter a, Ascending? I expect a lot from Eddie Redmayne. He Redmayne? won an Oscar. Well, yeah. Well, yeah and, and I, he, he, he has won an Oscar. That That's true. And I, and I did like Sasha and Baron Cohen's character in this as well. I mean, he, he was out there. True. But... Yeah, he reined it in, which a I, more dramatic I, performance I from hate him. Yeah, him when he plays Borat. <laughs> I am not a fan. I'm you know, not there's a, a sequel coming. Oh my god, I can't even. I'm ready. I can't even with Borat. Sign I mean, me no, I'll take Borat. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Bruno. Bruno. Bruno, no thanks. But Borat, I'll take. I neither one. <laughs> But this movie, he came off great, I feel. I mean, because there was a little comedy in... He can act. Sacha yeah. Baron Cohen can act, yeah. He just chooses not to. Well, he does like... Or the, parodies or like... That's he does what he his... Do. Yeah. Borat had some laughs at the time. I haven't seen it in a while. I mean, I don't know if it holds... How great it holds up. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he's solid in this. So yeah. So overall, you, you were a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I would say... Yeah, I wasn't... Um, Although the story is compelling, and like you said, there are definitely some parallels to uh, you know the time we're living in now. I mean, we're basically reliving through the '60s today <laughs> in terms of like social upheaval, uh, like chaotic political unrest. Definitely feels like we're kind of like reliving the '60s. And this movie, um, you know, during that like riot flashback, brought me back to just images from this summer. You know, seeing protesters like gassed and beaten. Yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely see that in this film. And that not a whole lot has changed. I mean, we're still gassing and beating protesters today. So, yeah, so that uh, and that does give the movie like a, a real like timely kind of urgency. And it, Aaron Sorkin's a, a great screenwriter, uh, undoubtedly. And there's some good dialogue here. I feel like none of the, none of the characters really come off. That much, like none no. of the characters really make much of an impression. Well, you don't really. You I feel don't... like that's the whole point is to get to know these characters. Yeah, you don't really get to know like any of their background stories except when they're packing up and leaving to go to the convention or getting ready. Right, that's it. It's just this really fast convention. kind of rushed montage yeah. that kind of kicks off the film, and then we're just we're stuck in the court, and we just you know we get little bits from each character, but they don't. There's definitely not enough for that I felt where like each character made a definite impression. Yeah, and I feel like that's again, you know, the whole point of making a movie like Ava is to deliver on the action. The whole point I would think of a movie like this is to deliver on the characterizations. Yeah, it's the Chicago Seven. Who yeah. are these seven? Uh, I mean, what what's their story? Like, yeah. let's get into each one and what makes them different and what brings them together. 
But this movie is really just kind of just plowing it's, through the court case. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just really focusing on the trial. I mean, obviously, this is the movie is the trial. It's Yeah, it's just Chicago a big-ass seven, courtroom movie. So. And uh, not a very cinematic one, I'll tell you that. I mean, this is... Well, it wasn't, I mean, you know, there wasn't any, like, cool camera shots or, like, it was just stagnant. It was, it wasn't... This is Aaron Sorkin's second directorial outing. Uh, His first one was Molly's Game, which starred Jessica Chastain, who we were just talking about. And um, I thought he did a better job with that movie, just kind of uh, making that feel a bit more cinematic. But this movie looks flat. I thought this movie looked really flat. It looked really cheap. I mean, we got a bunch of dudes just talking in like dingy interiors, like scene after scene. <laughs> it's not. It's yeah. not a good looking movie. It's like visually uninteresting. The, so the most expensive part probably was the, the court. Par- well, the park where all those extras. Oh, like the flashback scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, every other scene is just dudes sitting and talking. Yeah. And, yeah, there is not much cinematic flair here. You know, originally, I think... I mean, this movie's been in development for a while. Originally, uh, Spielberg was attached to direct this. And Spielberg, you know, would have brought a a lot more, like, cinematic heft and just verve and style to these courtroom proceedings. And, I mean, you know, like he does with stuff like Bridge of Spies or Lincoln. Yeah. He makes those movies just kind of rich with atmosphere and cinematic detail. This movie just looks flat. It, yeah. it really looks like, you know, like a TNT movie. Do you think that they kind of closed up shop a little early because of Corona? Or was this film done like last year? <laughs> like we don't well, have enough time to make it look good? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we don't, we can't don't, bring the people back for reshoots. Like, you I know. don't know what the production schedule was like. I would assume they were done shooting by the time Corona hit. Yeah. But and they, they used that do, time for post-production. But they couldn't do reshoots. That's true. I don't know what... I mean, these are the locations that they chose. I mean, they have a decent cinematographer with good credits to his name. I mean, this is just how they chose to shoot it. Like, on paper, everything's working. On paper, like, all the elements are good. You got a good story. You got a good cast. I mean, a good writer just kind of, like, building this blueprint. But the way it's brought to the screen... It does not translate successfully, in my view. It's a really flat-looking uninvolving motion picture to watch yeah so i mean that's uh, that's where i come down on it i mean it's, <laughs> it's would you think it'd be a good date movie not really no i don't think it would be a good date movie but it's a good movie to go see in my personal opinion i think people will watch it. it's yeah. available it's gonna be available on netflix by the time this episode drops yeah and yeah i think people are gonna watch it and i think it'll play better in homes than it does in theater because you that know, at, that could be true. At yeah. home, you can just kind of listen to the dialogue. You know, you got your phone in front of you, <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> you, you can ha- pause it. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's you know, it doesn't need to command all of your attention. I guess you know, in the theater, it, you you really want it to do that, and it, it felt it, it fell a little short. And so, I mean, should we talk about like how this movie ends? Does I mean they? I mean, you know, it's not a spoiler. I mean, it's right. based on true story. So this movie ends. They're, they're convicted of. They're convicted of inciting a riot, um, but not convicted. Not, not conspiracy. Of no, they're not convicted of conspiracy. And but eventually, it's overturned, right? I believe the, the judge's con- order the is con- overturned. The contempt of court. That was it. That was the stuff that was overturned. But they still all did time. Five years in prison plus five thousand in court fees. 
And again, I mean, it, the story is good, and you definitely feel like these guys were not treated fairly Mm-mm. by the system. Not at all. And so that comes across, yeah, for sure. And so you're definitely on the side of these guys. I mean, that's that's the movie's bias, but it makes an easy case for it. Yeah, I, the story is compelling. It resonates today. I just well, I I wish, I wish it was better to watch. We didn't talk about why. Well, we didn't. E- we didn't even get into Michael Keaton. Yeah, I mean, Michael Keaton. That's the best part. When he shows up, it, yeah. you kind of perk up a little bit. You know, the energy comes up. But he's uh, he's like a major factor yeah. in terms of providing testimony that it was really the cops who escalated yep. the tension and the violence yep. that that led to the riots. Yep, kind of like it is today. And then because of the reason why they. But uh, like the Chicago Seven was prosecuted was because Nixon wanted somebody to blame for the Chicago riots, you know, as his first like year in office or right. whatever. Law and order. And so this was a political hit job. And he tried to stick him with conspiracy. Yeah. That, that was the big one. And that didn't stick. No, and that did not stick. Um, but then the attorney general was pissed because... Michael Keaton's he character, plays Peter Ramsey. Yeah, didn't resign until about an hour before he was supposed to. So that means it was, it was kind of like a big fu to the new attorney general, right? And so the attorney general was like, "Let's stick it to him." So yeah, a, ver- a very political trial. A very political trial. Well, I think that's a, a line repeated in the film. Like there are no political trials. Someone says that, don't they? Yeah, they they continue to say it all throughout until. They realize this was a political. This trial. was a political hit job. It, it pisses you off. Oh my god! It's it pisses so you does. off. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a good story, and I think it just it deserved a better treatment because this is this is good material. Yes, and it just it it needed. I mean, you needed a real filmmaker <laughs> to really to really bring out these themes and to make it kind of riveting from beginning to end. Because this movie, this movie's energy really kind of like dips. It does. Yeah. It doesn't have a great pacing to it. And like the beginning, right, right off the beginning, I felt like something was off because the beginning felt rushed. It felt weirdly rushed and just almost like frantic. Like we have to establish all these people and just yeah. hurry it along. And yeah, I think nothing really makes I, an impression. I think they probably could have cut a little bit more of the trial. Yeah. And I mean, set up these characters maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Instead and, of just like a quick glimpse of them packing up. Here we go. Yeah. Let's do this. And I think some of the actors are not great. Like, I thought Jeremy Strong was not great. Is he, he, he was is Sasha he, Baron Cohen's partner. He's not our, your podcaster that you like on um, How the Fuck Does This Get Made? David uh, Jason Manzoukas. Ah, uh, okay. No. He would have been great for that role. I would have been, yeah. Whatever. He would have been awesome. Him and Sasha Baron Cohen. Jason Manzoukas. Oh, my God. That would have been hilarious. Jason Manzoukas was in The Dictator yeah. with Sasha Baron Cohen. So, yeah, that would have been better. Yeah, I thought Jeremy Strong as, like, this kind of, like, beatnik, like, well, I, hippie type was not convincing. I thought he was a weak link. So some of the some of the actors feel a little miscast. Yeah. I mean, we got, like, Eddie Redmayne, like, you know, British thespians, Eddie Redmayne, Mark Rylance, you know, playing, playing Chicago types. And it's... Um, I kind of would have... Eddie Redmayne and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's characters could have been switched. Switch them? Sure. And that would have been, I, I think, a much better casting. Sure. Because, I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks younger. Yeah, Eddie Joseph Redmayne, Gordon-Levitt feels miscast here as well. Yeah. I mean, it, like good actors, uh, I guess. But, you know, you need to get 
you need to get the, like, the right actor for the right role. <laughs> Don't just cast them because you can get them. They're your buddies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this was cast with a lot of like buddies. Probably. Yeah. I mean, definitely some Aaron Sorkin favorites yeah. here for sure. Uh, so yeah, what overall, what grade would you give this? I'd probably give it a B. Sure. I give it like a C. Oh, nah. <laughs> it's not, not the worst grade. It's average. <laughs> but, For an uh, average movie. Yeah, very average flick. Um, you, you know, I mean, next time, like, Aaron Sorkin, just like give your great screenplays to a great director, like you did with The Social Network. Oh, yeah. Or Moneyball or Steve Jobs, and you're going to get a, a much better, more cinematic film. Word. Um, so yeah, and I guess, I mean, that, that kind of wraps it up for this episode. I don't know what the next episode is going to be. We're taking it kind of just, we're going to take it week by week, case day by case day. by case. Yeah. There's going to well, be Pixar is going to come up, right? So Cr- Christmas. So we've got some stuff in Christmas time. We're going to be in sitting the next there three months watching, <laughs> watching movies on our ass and our <laughs> PJs. It's a bummer that we're not we're not gonna have much of a like holiday movie lineup this year. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty pretty empty. But um, you know, keep hope alive and um, you know, vote. Oh, vote! Yes. Yeah, vote. Yeah. You gotta vote out the clowns. Oh my god, cut that. That's <laughs> what you gotta do. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, that's our episode. You can find more at Anchor.fm/slash Movie Date Night. As well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DN Movie Podcast. And you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.